Let's jump in. I, I got a sermon this morning I am so excited to share with you. Um, if you have been going through a storm, this sermon is for you. If you haven't been going through a storm, where have you been living? Okay, so uh, this is a sermon dedicated to anyone going through a storm. Like I said, if that doesn't relate to you, you are from another planet. All right, let's go to Matthew chapter 14. I don't know exactly what to title this talk, but I'm going to title it, um, uh, I Have a Question for God. I have a question for God. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to read this story as fast as we can. I know many of you know it. And then we're going to ask a question that I think is begging to be asked. And then we're going to do our best to answer it. And I'm going to give you two responses to the question that I pose to you, and I think it will serve up for you incredible perspective on storms and how God works them together for good and can use them in our life um, to, to change us and transform us and make us more like Jesus. Cool? Yeah. That's when you say, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, it's not like you can talk back if you, might, if you want to. Okay. Matthew 14, 22, immediately Jesus made the disciples get in the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's Patrick Swayze. It's, it's an easy joke. All right. It's a ghost, and they cried out in fear, but immediately Jesus But You know what's crazy? If you preach long enough, you have, like, permanent jokes around all kinds of passages. It's a really, it's a, it's a great thing being 42. Definitely not 43. Okay. They got an older woman. You get it. Um, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come on. So Peter got on the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Um, now I'm just name dropping, but um, I had an opportunity last week to talk to Bishop. We FaceTime. He's, by the way, Bishop T.D. Jake serves on our board and is a real pastor and mentor to me. He's been my hero for years. And we were talking. He said, Judah, I just, pre he didn't say, he goes, Judah, I just got done preaching a message about this. You know, and I'm like, thanks, Bishop. You, know, like, you always feel like you're the guy that's less cool when you talk to Bishop Jakes. But anyways, he preached a sermon and I'll just make this observation because I think it could serve you well. He said, you know, the least dangerous thing in this whole story was the wind. And yet that's what got Peter. And his message was, don't mind the wind. Isn't that a good message? It's like, oh, the least dangerous thing is the stuff blowing by your ears. You don't have to worry about that. Don't mind the wind. That's a, that's a great message. When he saw the wind, he was afraid, beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying, oh, you a little faith. Why did you doubt? When they got into the boat. This is my least favorite verse in the whole story. When they got, you see it, when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, or more specifically, the storm stopped. I'm going to read it again. When they got into the boat, that's when the storm stopped. When they finally got to safety, that's when the storm stopped. Wait, What? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Next verse, and those in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Wow. Mark chapter 6 quotes this same story in its own unique way from Peter's perspective. And it says in Mark chapter 6, in this recording of this same story, that they still, they were amazed at what had happened, but they still didn't perceive or understand for their hearts were still hardened. One translation says what had happened here and what God had done in feeding the multitudes right before the story had still not penetrated their heart. They weren't understanding what was going on. It wasn't about wind. 
It wasn't about waves. It really wasn't even about food. But they couldn't see it and understand it because their hearts were not yet penetrated by the reality of Jesus. I wonder sometimes in days in which we are living, 2021, if we too have yet to pick up what God is laying down, to understand actually what God is literally saying. Again, this message is dedicated to people in a storm. And I want to ask a question of this story because it's my least favorite part of the story. It is my issue with the story. And it's also, quite frankly, my issue with the Lord. And that is that in this particular story, this is a remaining communion cup. You know you're in a good church when we just got old communion cups hanging out on the stage. You in the right place. Put this up here in case there's a little bit left. I can still use it. Um, <laughs> that's funny. Oh, my mom would be devastated. Um, she would. My dad, I'm, I'm sorry, dad. We got garbage laying on the stage. My bad. But um, I've noticed in life that the storm doesn't stop when I want it to stop. The pain, the challenge, the difficulty, the headwind, the uphill climb, whatever it is, we call it metaphors, analogies, examples, whatever it is. I, I've noticed that when I'm saying, God, now would be the best time for all of this to be fixed. Lord, I don't know what timetable you're running up there, but I really could be a, an excellent assistance to you on the right timing that would be ideal for us as human beings. Right about now will be a good time to make sure the Delta variant doesn't actually work a lot. This would be a, this would be a good time to stop everything. When they got in the boat, the storm stopped. Wait, what? <laughs> How about when I'm in the water? How about when I'm in the storm? How about when I tell you I'm afraid? How about when I ask you to heal me, save me, deliver me? What, when? And they got into the boat, and that's when the storm ceased. So here's my question. This is the only question we're going to ask, and this is the question we're going to answer. Why? Does the storm stop after they get in the boat? Why does the storm stop after? Now, there are a myriad of different uh, aspects and angles to the story that we could consider that would be incredibly fruitful and productive for us in our daily life. But I want us to talk about God and how he treats our storms in linear time and space. Because evidently, he relates to storms differently than we relate to storms. For instance, for instance, for your consideration, Jesus, if I was Jesus and they yelled that I was a ghost, I would turn off the wind machine and the waves at that point, still everything. And then I would say, it is I. Can't you tell? Be of good cheer, right? Like, but Jesus, think about it. God, through the wind, the waves and the storm, has to yell, don't be afraid. It is I. Like, why are we doing this? Just turn off the stuff. Turn off the elements so we can hear you. You don't have to yell. Don't worry! You know what I mean? His hair, his blonde hair and blue eyes, you know, just blowing in the wind. Jesus wasn't from Sweden, church. Okay, so, but that's what my Sunday school teacher taught me in Portland, Oregon. You know, his blonde hair is just blowing in the wind. And I would just, but he, even in his encouragement, there's still a storm. Even when he says, don't! Be afraid. What you feel like doing is yelling back to God. Why? Look around. You say, don't be afraid. And the storm persists. You say, don't be afraid. And I'm still on the verge of divorce. 
You say, don't be afraid, and I'm still facing injustice. You, you say, don't be afraid, and I still haven't talked to my son for six years. You tell me not to be afraid, and I just lost my father. You, you tell me not to be afraid, and I can't get a job. You tell me not to be afraid, and the Delta variant only grows. You tell me not to be afraid. Why don't you why don't you fix it and then tell me not to be afraid? Why? When Peter asked to come out on the water, why don't you stop the storm? That would be an, also a great time. Lord, if it is you, bid me to come. It's like, what, just turn into Romeo and Juliet? But bid me to come. At that point, if I was God, I'd be like, that was painful. I'm sorry. And Peter just walks out on glassy, still water. And guess what? We would, li- we would read this story and go, isn't God wonderful? The moment Peter exercised his faith, God said, you've seen me through the storm. Now I'm going to eradicate the storm. Now walk to me on glassy seas. And then the preachers everywhere would preach that once you can see through the storm, the storm will stop. Once you can see Jesus in the storm, he'll calm your storm. But that's not in the Bible. There's a lot of stuff we preach sometimes that's not in the Bible. It just makes people shout amen. Now, what doesn't make people shout amen sometimes is when you stick to the book. Because we came today to celebrate Jesus and faith and loving Jesus. Like, man, this is amazing. And then you show up to a sermon like this, and it's like, hey, I got such good news. I don't know if the storm is going to stop at all. (laughs) Well, well, but when do you think it will stop, Judah? Well, I don't think you want my answer for that one. Because I read this story, and it stops when they get to a place that is perceived to be a place of safety and once everything's okay, once Peter's back out of the water and Jesus is in the boat, that's when the storm is calm. And I'm like, Lord, we finally got to the boat and boats are made to be in the water and they're supposed to endure storms. And so like, I don't really need you to stop the storm when I have a boat. I need you to stop the storm when I don't have a boat. Why did you stop the storm in the, in the boat? So that, that's, that's the question I want to, why, why hasn't your storm stopped? Why hasn't your storm stopped? And if I know anything about God, At my age, obviously not as old as some, but at my age is that the storm stops right about the time you're over the storm. Do you know what I mean by that? The storm stops for some odd reason right about when people are like, man, it must be hard. And you're like, what do you mean? Everything you're going through. You're like, oh, yeah, 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 I guess it has. And all of a sudden, Right about when you don't give the storm a lot of credit. Right about when you kind of figured out like this storm isn't as scary as I thought it was. Right about when you stop overreacting. Right about when you stop discussing your storm every coffee you have with someone. Right about when you stop showing up to church going, God, Right about when you start helping your neighbor, and by helping your neighbor, you forget about your own challenges. Right about when you stop worrying about your own babies and start helping somebody with theirs, the storm stops. And you're like, wait, what? Here's what I know about storms. It is never about the storm. That is a good time to say amen. <laughs> I'm going to say it again. It's, here's what I know about your storm. It's not about your storm. You can make it about your storm. You can make your whole relationship with God about going to him when storms hit. That can be your whole rhythm with God. Whenever there's something desperate, God, save me and I'll serve you forever. 
most weeks. Thanks. Appreciate it. Some of you, it was like it was the 90s that was real hard. That's when you went to God a lot. Some of you, it was 08. Come on, somebody. 08, we came running to God in the economical storm we were in. But it's storms aren't supposed to be the point. But man, do they garner our attention. Man, do they preach us sermons. Storms have a podcast and you can sign up and it will teach you everything about the storm. Storms, I've said this before, storms seek to take your awe. That's what the storm's after. The storm wants you to suck air, stand back and go, wow. Oh. I didn't come today to belittle what you're going through. I just came to put it in its proper place. My dad used to say, life's about perspective. We just got to get some perspective. One of the main reasons we get together is to get perspective. Perspective. You came in and the most paramount, prevalent thing on your mind was your problem, was your pain. And was your storm? I'm not saying that's inherently wrong at all. A lot of us show up in functions and gatherings and worship expressions with our pain, with our problem, with our challenges, and we come hoping there will be an answer. But but I have learned that there is so much beauty in the person, the worshiper, who knows how to worship soaking wet. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about like you, you worship it, but the storm and the wind and the waves are so big, you can't stay dry. But you understand that the point, the focus of life is, well, God and living life. A storm wants to tell you to stop living until it's over. How can you go anywhere or do anything or say anything in the middle of this storm? You need to stop right now and just sit there and think and talk and blog. But don't live. You can't live in this kind of turmoil. You can't live in this kind of unknown. You can't live in this unpredictable environment and climate. And it seeks to rob you of Living. Why? Why? Why does Jesus stop the storm once he has everybody safe in the boat? Why? And could that same Jesus be in this storm with us? And I wonder if we're going to frustrate ourselves by asking Jesus to do something he didn't do back then. And I'm pretty sure he won't do today. And that is fix the storm on our timetable. And here's my two conclusions and observations. And then I will get out of your way and allow you to watch highlights of the Open Golf Championship. Because quite literally, because I am here with you, we are missing the entire coverage. (laughs) <laughs> is he serious? Are we supposed to thank him? You know, it's like, Judah, this is your job. Okay, all right, all right, all right. First reason I think the storm doesn't stop until they get in the boat, number one, because the storm isn't the storm. The storm isn't the storm, and I'll explain that. The storm isn't the storm. And then my second observation, which we'll get to in a moment, um, the boat isn't our source. The storm isn't the storm and the boat isn't your source. Now, I could leave you with that and I'm looking around this room. This is one smart room. Okay, by the way, Seattle, we are still one of the most brilliant cities in the entire union, by the way. I might add, yeah, clap for your smart self. That's a true story. That is a proven statistic. We are incredibly informed and educated and we walk with total humility with that. 
but we're smart. I, one preacher told me, oh, you can't preach in Seattle. You can't preach in pastor in Seattle unless you're smart. And I said, amen. Receive that. I really, I really resonate with that. <laughs> the storm isn't the storm. The storm isn't the storm. The wind we see and the waves we see isn't the storm. Now, when you're in the storm, it's the upheaval of the elements that leads you to believe that that's what it is. That's what it is. But the storm isn't the storm. Now, I'm not trying to be, uh, <clears throat> how should I say, um, uh, 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 consumed with death, but we need to establish something. That is, we're all doing something simultaneously together right now we've never done before, and it's called dying. We're all doing it right now. If you're over 18, your cells are dying. You're like, Judy, you don't totally know that. Okay, but generally speaking, got my hair cut yesterday, and they, my hairstylist, Joe, was like, man, you're getting a lot of gray. I was like, shut up, Joe. We're all dying. We're all dying. Now, once you think about the storms we fight, so we don't die. I want you to think about the pandemic we're in. And listen, I am against death. Hello. Welcome to the church that's down to fight death. I'm in. Like, I'm in. I want you to live. Dr. Busher, who's my naturopath, my doctor is sitting right there between this service and next service. I am going to get a shot of B12. And it's so that I don't die, at least not today. Right, like I want to be healthy, I want to live, I don't do gluten, hydrogenated oils, soda. I came to preach to you right now. Red 40, blue 21, I don't know if it's a blue 21, you know, but like chemicals, I'm for living. I'm for living. I'm in. But guess what? We all going to die. But if you think about the storms we fight, at the bedrock, at the foundation, at the, fun, it, it, the felt need is, we don't want to die. And so the storm is, fight death and live. And yet Jesus seems to teach a bigger perspective. Well, of course he does. He's the only person to ever come from eternity into time and space. All of us go time and space into eternity. It's one of the reasons I always listen to Jesus, because no one else has started here and entered into here. We all live here. And someday in the sweet by and by, we're going to enter into eternity. So Jesus seems to walk into linear time and space and bring perspective and priority. So naturally, when the wind picks up and the waves get big, he doesn't freak out like me and you. He's from another space, another realm. And the storm isn't the storm. I say it like this. The Bible says the earth is subject to futility, which is a very ornate way of saying because of the free will choices of man, sin, or that is missing the mark set by God. The Bible says we are born broken. We are born selfish. We are born self-serving. And there is result, negative implications to our selfish ways. Have you noticed? But one of the implications is not just your quality of life, but it's the elements themselves. For the Bible says, even the earth and the trees and the seeds, they, well, they groan with anticipation for redemption, which is to be restored again to the way God intended. A world that is utopia without sin. The storm isn't the storm. You'll think that cancer is the point. 
my dad a couple of days ago would have been 71 years young. But about 11 years ago, he had an early graduation. And cancer was the fight. It's not about cancer. I mean, it is. If you're fighting cancer, it is. Do, do you understand what I'm saying, church? If there is anybody in this room that will fight with you when it comes to cancer, I hate cancer. And a friend of mine started an organization that I can't even quote in church, but I like it. It's an explicit word, and then cancer is right after it. And I prefer it. And I give money to it. Right? Like, I hate cancer. But oh, cancer. You don't even deserve my undivided attention. The storm isn't the storm. You think it's about a job, it's the storm isn't the storm. You think it's about whether or not your marriage makes it, the storm isn't the storm. Do you know what the storm essentially is? The storm is sin and the calamity it has caused in the earth. Oh, that's the storm. That's the storm. And, 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 and that's really the only way I can explain what's happening here. Jesus almost seems, I don't want to say dismissive, but certainly not put off by the storm. Concerned, for sure. Caring, absolutely. Empathetic, no doubt. For he comes to the boat. To the boat. Now, there's another part of this passage. You're already playing the piano. That means the bridge is supposed to be closing. In Mark chapter 6, some of you know this. In Mark chapter 6, it says, And Jesus intended to walk by them. We're talk about something wild. It says in Mark chapter 6, you won't believe it. It literally says, Jesus sees them from the mountain. They're in a storm, comes down off the mountain, walks on the water. They're in the boat. And the Bible says, Jesus intended to pass by. What is he doing? Look what it says. About the fourth watch of the night, he came to them. This is Mark chapter 6, walking on the sea. He meant to pass by. What? Is this story getting weirder or is that just me? Now, I love preachers because we look at this stuff and we're like, he meant to. He was playing with them. He was just pretending. He was acting. But what he was looking for was faith. I can preach. In case you were wondering, I've been doing this a long time. I know how preachers do some of this stuff. Sometimes God sometimes will act like he's going to pass you by. And what he's looking for is your faith. That'll preach. But that's not what it means. Scripture interprets scripture. Ask Moses about God passing by. Ask Elijah about God passing by. Ask John the Baptist when Jesus walked by. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. See, passing by is how God reveals himself. He wasn't, it's, it's, it's not what you think. It's, it's not what you think. He, he wasn't passing by them. He was showing himself by them. He was walking, some of you remember middle school. There she is. There he is. Recess time. And you're like, I'm just going to walk by. What's up, girl? It's called presenting yourself. Remember that old term? Might I call on you next week? Right? And back in the day in different cultures, it was like you would present your daughter or present your son and they would walk by and be like, oh, girl. Jesus is revealing himself. Why doesn't Jesus pass by us at the park in ideal conditions? Sometimes he does. But it seems to me that when things are adverse, Jesus goes, now they're going to see me like they've never seen me before. 
And so I'm just going to present myself to them. And so he just comes walking, hoping they see him. She's walking. And he was intending to show them that he was God. <laughs> you ever met somebody that knows Jesus different from you? And you're like, what do you, what do you know about Jesus? I don't know. And I wish it wasn't like this, but those people almost always have been through more storms than me. Have you noticed? You're like, how do you, excuse me, sir, before, I, it's so nice to meet you. Ma'am, if I could just for a second, we both go to church. Oh, it's so nice to meet you. Isn't the preacher great? He sure is. But I just wanted to mention, that's how I build in self-compliments in my own stories. And how there's a calm about you. There's a kindness in you. There's a strength in you. How do you spiritually grow? You don't want to know. No, I do. Is it Bible memorization? Not really. I bet you haven't missed church since 1985. How did you? Oh, in 89, I lost my. In 97. In 2008, we lost everything. What had happened was, is see him. It was in a way he presented himself. And I saw him. Like I'd never seen him before. See, Judah, what happened to me in a way is I had a lot of money in real estate. And real estate was really my moneymaker. And when it was all gone, I didn't know what to do. And he came walking through. And it dawned on me. He's what I need. He's what I need. Jesus isn't trying to go past you. He's trying to reveal himself to you. The storm isn't the storm. You know what the storm is? The storm is sin. And I got good news about this storm. This storm has been called. The storm has been covered and its implications have been canceled. Your storm, your storm, your storm. It's not the wind and the waves. The elements are responding to the upheaval and the tyrannical nature of sin on all of the, the, the elements and the trees and the mountains and the animals and the oceans and the seas. Things are not right. Things are off. Things are not the way they were supposed to be. Nothing is the way it was supposed to be. But redemption is working. The resurrection of Jesus has changed time and space as we know it. He has defeated the ultimate, the ultimate enemy, which is death itself. Death, hell, and the grave. He got up just like he predicted. He's the only man, woman, boy, or girl who's ever predicted his death, pulled off his death, appeared to prove that he pulled off his death, and set in motion a movement of redemption that would restore the world to the way he intended. The storm isn't the storm. It's not the divorce. It's not the depression. It's not the temptation. For suicide, it's not the loss of income. The storm isn't the storm. The storm is sin. And I got an announcement to make. The sin that you or I have committed or ever will commit has already been paid for. First John chapter four, just listen to these scriptures and, and let them sink in. First John chapter four, I believe we have one of the verses by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of, day of judgment. We might have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world as he is. 
as he is, as he is present tense, as he is present tense. How is Jesus right now? Who is Jesus right now? Where is Jesus right now? Well, the Bible says he sits at the right hand of God on high and the earth is his ottoman and anyone who stands up against him, he laughs at those who oppose him. He is king of kings and Lord of lords. He is shepherd. He is lion. He is lamb. He is provider. He is deliverer. He is healer. Who is Jesus right now? He is in total communion and fellowship. He is one with the Father and the Son and the Father are one as he is. So are we in this world, which is to say by the propitiation that is Jesus taking our place. He who knew no sin became sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That word righteousness is as Jesus is. As he is right now, so am I. For I am hidden in Christ. I'm a new creation. I'm a new creature. My old deeds are dead and gone. For Psalms 103 says, as far as the east is from the west, so he has separated me from my sins. As he is, so am I right now. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Let the wind and the waves come. My storm was calmed a long time ago. My storm was covered a long time ago. My storm and all of its implications were canceled a long time ago. This is is just the groanings of the elements. This is just the tirade of our enemy. This is just the tantrum of human nature. This This is not the storm storm is something only God can heal and cover and forgive and it's it's sin but remember it's not just the action of man the elements themselves are groaning it's it's not the wind you see it's not the waves you feel it's the sin problem in humanity And Jesus covers that. See, Jesus needs his 12 guys to see that wind and waves don't change him, scare him, alter him. He walks on storms and he presents himself in the most bleak moments of your life. And that's what I feel like preachers need to tell people more. When you're in the storm, not the storm, but a storm, get ready because he's about to pass by. And you will see him like you've never seen him before. Well, I don't know if that's true. Well, then look, look, look what the 12 dudes say to him with him for at least a year. What do they say? What do they say? What do they say when everything's over? It's true. Oh my God. I mean, oh, you. It's true. You are who you say you are. One preacher said faith is believing that God tells the truth. It's a persuasion that what he says is true. It's true. It's true about you. It's true about you. (laughs) You will see him in ways you've never seen him before. And lastly, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. The piano's playing. He's supposed to be done. (sighs) The boat isn't our source. Are you like me? When I'm in a storm, I wish I called out on Jehovah Jireh naturally. I wish I used all the Hebrew titles for God. Anybody know Jehovah's Sit Canoe? I always think of a canoe. That's how I remember that one. Right? Jehovah Nisi. Yeah, I can impress you with my Hebrew. It is what it is. But you know what I look for in every storm? I look for a boat more often than not. In fact, I'll make it worse. I ask God for boats. 
I want you to just let that sink in for a second. God, if you'll send me a boat, I'll make it. Son, that's like me presenting you with a jet airplane and you asking me for a scooter. Did you say boat? Yeah, if you just give me another job, everything will be fine. So just give me another job. He's like, oh, I was some. Hoping you'd see me more than the job. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, I'll see you a lot once you get me a job. But if you just give me something I can touch and feel, they're going to keep me safe. God's like, as long as you're not in the boat, that's when the storm will keep going. Now, once you get in the boat, that's when I'll stop the storm. Because I don't want you for a second to think it's the boat that got you through. It wasn't the boat. It wasn't the boat. I'm going to say to some old time city church, church, it wasn't Wendell Smith. It wasn't Rose Hill. It wasn't a building. It wasn't books that we write. It wasn't conferences that we hold. It wasn't the drums. Some of you are like, I know it wasn't the drums. They are way too loud in this church. It, it wasn't the seat you always sit in because you're creatures of habit. It wasn't your church attendance. It wasn't that you stopped cussing in 91. It wasn't because you got off drugs in 02. And I want to applaud that. But that's not what saved you. That's not what saved you. We got Christians all over the world wondering if church is ever going to be back. Who took the church away? Who? They took our boat. You think I need a boat? You think we need buildings? You think the objective of God is to fill buildings? It's to fill your soul. It's to fill your heart. It's to fill you to a point that you got to move with the message you have. You got to tell people in your neighborhood, in your cul-de-sac, this isn't about a boat. I'm tired of fighting for boats. I'm tired of counting boats. I'm tired of preaching about boats for the traditions and customs of men make the word of God not effective. There are traditions. We got people don't want to hear sermons if the preacher has a hat on. We're talking about boats? We're talking about practice? For those that love Alan Iverson, we're talking about about boats? Talking about boats? Well, we need to make sure our boat is really nice and clean. Okay, we'll work on getting the communion cups off the stage. Well, you know, like, I mean, if Judah was live more, church would be better. Talking about boats? If you don't mind, I'm not going to be live so I can also go to stadiums and tell people about Jesus. And I'm not playing. We're going to do whatever means possible short of sin. We're going to tell everybody about Jesus. And if you're looking for a pastor who won't share a stage with people that don't know Jesus, like I said, I'm the wrong guy for you. Because I'll share a stage with anybody as long as you give me just a couple of minutes to tell everybody about Jesus. We're talking about, talking about boats? Are we still talking about boats? See, I got friends that don't care about our boats. I got people I pray for don't want nothing to do with our boats. We still gonna talk about political parties? We talking about boats? You think the president's gonna save you? We talking about boats? You think legislation is the answer? We talking about boats? I need 
the man who doesn't need boats. I need the man who walks on stuff we need boats for. That's what I need. I need to know if there is such a man and if he controls the elements and if the earth is his ottoman and he laughs at his enemies and he has no peers. I, 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 I want to know him. I don't need boats. I don't need the perception of safety. I need a savior. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. We're all dying. We're all dying. We're all dying. We're all dying. I don't need boats. I need Jesus. I mean, isn't there some part of this sermon where you're like, if I go down, I'm not going down in a boat. Are you like me? I'm like, if this boat's going down, I'm jumping out of the boat and I'm going to die on the water. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, let my story show that I didn't hold on to some piece of wood in the middle of an ocean hoping that it would save me. But I went on the water with the one who walks on what we can't walk on. And when I went down, I went down believing the Bible says these died in faith. These died in faith. These died in faith. You know what I recommend? Prepare to die right. I'm going to die in faith. You hear me? I'm going to die swinging. I'm going to die going. I'm going to die running. I'm going to die filling stadiums with people telling them about Jesus. And if Christians don't want to come, that's fine. But I'm going to take some swings. Because the storm isn't the storm. This isn't about COVID-19 or the 19 pounds you put on. Where is he? Where's who? Jesus. Because I know in storms, he likes to present himself. So what could Jesus be doing right now? What is his plan? Are you like me? Every conversation I have, I seem to be meeting with someone who is responsible for making all of the policies for the United States of America. I didn't know I had so many friends with that power. I was unaware. I didn't know. I didn't know that all of my friends had sway when it came to national policies. I didn't know that. But it seems like all of my friends have access to make policies for hundreds of millions. Oh, but you don't. You know what I am? You know what you are? Uh, We are armchair quarterback. Never even played quarterback. You're out here trying to tell Russell Wilson, get out, stop. I love what I said. I said said a few weeks ago, David said, things that are too wonderful for me, I don't concern myself with that. And I got news for you. When it comes to making policies for 300 Americans, that's too much for me. I don't understand all that. I'll vote, do my best to understand something that is completely plagued by the nature of man and its grievous passion for money and power. I will let that, I will honor the system. I will pay my taxes in case you were wondering. And I will vote in case you were wondering. But that boat will not save me. Nor will I teach my children that that boat is the answer. He's the answer. And maybe he's trying to get all of his faithful worshipers to see him as he passes by. And you and I know when we're back in the boat, because God always used constructs, right? So the preacher's preaching, but he also understands that God also uses uh, things like rules at public parks and stuff. Right, the burn ban, so you know we don't burn the beautiful trees here in the Northwest. Like I'm down for rules, but when we're back in the context of the boats, the making of men, and when they try to say that it was the boat, we'll know it wasn't the boat. It wasn't the boat. Church home doesn't save anybody. Jesus does. This building never changed anybody's life. Jesus does. 
Conferences don't change people's lives. Jesus does. Podcasts don't change people's lives. Jesus does. Live preachers don't change people's lives. Jesus does. Going to a building doesn't change. Jesus does. And so everybody that's not here that's on the lake, Jesus can change them on the lake too. Or Red Robin. Even Red Robin, right? Like we, I just, I just, I don't know what this means for you. And I'm done. I'm done. I'm, come on. I'm done. I've been done. This is bonus material. The boat is in your source. It's been a hard one for me lately. These sermons are not coming out of um, thorough study. I study a lot. They're coming out of thorough pain. In case you can't tell. I'm not up here going, the boat isn't your source. And I know that. And you should know that. I'm preaching the boat isn't our source. And inside I'm going, I hope you're listening to yourself. Because like anybody else, I'm like, is our, do you think our boat's going to make it through 2021? You think the buildings will be okay? You think the website will be okay? You think church attendance You think our boat's going to be okay? Son, if I'm trying to do anything with you, I'm trying to show you it wasn't the boat to begin with. It was me. It was me. This um, this thing we're groping for called safety is a facade. It's a facade. The safest place is wherever he is. It's not the door you lock at night. Am I the only person that locks my doors and thinks to myself, this is ridiculous? I mean, if somebody really wanted to get into my house, I mean, this is ridiculous. Everybody has a ring camera now. We're like, no one will come because of the ring camera. We all have them, so it neutralizes all of us. Now everyone's like, hey, coming on in. You know, like, beware of dog. That'll keep you safe. That sign that you got a target. Beware of dog and the owner. You know, whatever it is. Like, man, it's about him. He's here, you know. I never leave you nor forsake you. He wants to show you a dimension of him that you've never seen before. He loves you so much. There's no scolding in this story. There's a challenge. What happened to you? Where's your faith? I'm right here. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're saying. Thank you for our church. We hear you. We hear you. And we want to respond to you. Holy God of the whole earth. The wave walker. And the wind stiller. The body healer the shame remover, the addiction annihilator. That's who you are. I declare no one can do what you do. No one. We are not here commemorating boats. We are here believing in the God of the whole earth, the creator of heaven and earth. Our eyes are on you. God, in a moment, we ask you to meet us as we use melody as a point of connection with you. Meet us here. Pass by. In the middle of 2021, pass by. Pass by. Oh, wonderful Savior, overseer of our souls, King, Shepherd, wonderful Counselor. I don't know who I'm talking to, but God's telling me to tell you, you have all things pertaining to life and godliness. You lack no good thing, for in Him, We live, move, and have our being. In him, you have the source. 
in him you have the resource there are grandparents here today who are you are terrified if i could say for your grandchildren and the life that they are living but i am here to tell you the same jesus that met you will meet your grandchildren no fear no fear perfect love casts out all fear there's no love in fear perfect love eradicates that fear and you are perfectly loved by Jesus and he perfectly loves your grandchildren Jesus if you're here today or watching wherever you are in the world and you would like to receive the free gift of forgiveness that only Jesus offers I want to give you an opportunity to open the greatest gift you'll ever receive and that's all that we're inviting you to do not to earn it deserve it or even understand it all but if you're here today and say Judah I believe I want to receive the forgiveness of my error my wrong and my sin past present and future I want a right relationship with the creator of heaven and earth I want to spend eternity with him and I receive the gift that God has demonstrated once and for all to humanity through Jesus I want him I want to know him your heart burns inside of you to know the man who walks on water and stills waves. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to lift your hand. One, two, three. You know who you are. Just shoot up your hand and strum. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Just lift up your hand. <laughs> that's awesome. Jesus, you see these hands. What I love about you is that you see our heart. And you know that this posture we just took of receptivity you rush in with love and forgiveness and friendship and relationship and you promise you will never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you, God. 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 I want to do something unusual and then the band, the singers can come on out. You already are. Here's what I want to do. And I'm not here to embarrass anyone, so I hesitate sometimes to do this, but I feel so compelled this morning. Here's what I want us to do. If you're here and this message is speaking to you, and I'm just going to go ahead and be standing with you in case you were wondering, I'm going to come to my own altar call. And you know that this storm has really stolen your awe. You've been really caught up with all the calamities and the challenges and the problems. And all you can see is waves. All you can hear is wind. And today you want to stand and say, I want you. No matter what, Jesus, I just, I want to see you. If you're like me, seeing so much wind and waves, all you crave is boats. Just enough money just help them my body, just a couple of nice people and good friends, and maybe I'll make it. Oh, just him is enough. Just Jesus is enough. The lover of your soul, the comforter, the counselor. And if you're here and you say, Judah, I'm going to go ahead and stand with you because you're talking my language. And I know I've been so caught up with the winds and the waves and I've been so caught up with the storm. But what I need to see is the Savior. What I want to is experience him passing him by. In fact, in the next 20 minutes or so during this music, I need Jesus. And I need to meet him today with what I'm going through. If that's you. I mean, with conviction in your heart, will you stand to your feet and say, you're talking to me. That's me. That's me. I know that's what I need. I know that's where I'm at. That's me. That's me. So open up our eyes. God, open up our eyes to see you.
Show us your son. Show us your forgiveness. Show us your grace. Show us your power. Show us your strength. Show us your deity. Show us your divine direction. Show us your plan. Show us your purpose. Above above it all. Show us who you are, God. We want to meet you, Jesus. Come hell or high water. We're walking with you. We're standing with you. We're trusting in you. We're worshiping you. Our focus is you. You are the desire of all nations. You are the obsession of the human soul. It's you, God. It's you. It's you. It's you. It's only ever always been about you. Come on, let's worship him together, church. Come on. Come on.